calculating, we're finishing up, and really we're talking about finishing well today. And I don't know if you've ever thought about finishing well. You, we've talked about legacy uh, in our last series. We talked about uh, with words. We mentioned legacy and kind of worked through that. But we're talking about finishing well. In order to finish well, you, you need a couple things. You need to be on the right road. You need to be uh, you need to have a, a right map and you need to be going in the right direction and, and we're going to talk a lot about that today and it's true if you're trying to get to somewhere you're trying to get to a destination you're trying to get to vacation you're not going to get there if you're on the wrong road you're not going to get there if you're following the wrong map uh, if you're you could be on the right road with the right map but if you're going the wrong way you're not going to get where you're supposed to be going and so it's important that we do that in our lives spiritually as followers of Jesus, we want to, to be pursuing Christ-likeness, that we want to be moving toward what it means to be a, really a follower of Jesus, that he'd be changing our hearts and our lives. Uh, Paul's heart, as we're going to see, is really just that, uh, that he tells us to run the race in such a way to win the prize. And that prize is that we would help people who don't know Jesus to be introduced to Jesus. And we can't change people's hearts. We can't make them follow Jesus. We can't uh, make them surrender their lives. But what we do is we live lives that are, are saturated with the gospel, that the gospel is very clear in our lives, and that we speak that gospel and we live that gospel for others to see. And that there really is our role and their role and God's role, and we trust God in the process, but we do what God has called us to do. That we want to be people who love God, who love people who make disciples. And if we can do that, in the place that God has us, in the place that God has put us, if we can do that, then we really will, we will have won. That we will be on the right road, heading in the right direction. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4 this morning. Here we have Paul in the context of relationships. If you know the Apostle Paul, he was all about relationships. You can see that in the letters that he wrote to the different people that he wrote, to Timothy, to Titus. Uh, we were in Philippians, and you can just see just kind of just oozing. It wasn't just like, hey, let me talk to you about what it means to plant a church. Let me talk to you about life. Let me... He knew them personally, intimately, and he spoke on that level and was able to say some pretty hard things because of the relationship that he had. That we need to understand in our lives how important relationships really are. That to be in church, it's not about running a program, it's not about making church happen, it's really about relationships. And we see this in the life of Paul, and hopefully as you've grown in your relationship with Christ, you've seen the importance of, of relationships. Because you could have a great church experience, but if you don't have relationships, you're missing it. Because the church is not about Sunday morning, it's not about the experience, but it's really about relationships. If I could tell you this, and you already know this, that it really is, it's all about relationships. That church is about relationships, meaning that we are the church in relationship with each other, that we need to value relationships where we love God, where we love people, where we make disciples. Because understanding that discipleship, and that's one of the heartbeats of who we are, really the heartbeat of who we are, whether we live it out perfectly or not, we, we don't. But that's our aim, that's our goal, is that you would know Christ and you would follow him. That you would be changed by him, that you would be transformed by him. And that transformation happens in the context of relationships that, that when the, the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God and the people of God come together in healthy environments, transformation, God uses that to change you. Now, God uses his word to change your heart for sure. But I'm telling you, those three things coming together in healthy environments will make a difference in your life. That's why life groups are important. That's why getting, into, getting out of rows and getting into circles is important because you're, you're doing life together. You're able to, to talk about the word of God and not just say, well, 
I think this means, but say, well, God, this is what God's saying, and this is how we can walk this out together. And it's important that we understand that because it doesn't happen if you just come on a Sunday morning, you're like, I went to church, I got my church for the week. Well, you're missing it. This is important to come together and worship together and hear from the word of God and really be open to what God has to say, but it goes much further than that. And we want to help lead you, and, and ourselves included, that we together would grow and work toward that way. And we see that Paul was a mentor to Timothy and really a mentor to many people, that he poured his life into sharing the gospel. And we're going to talk a lot about the gospel this morning, but he poured his life into sharing the gospel. He poured his life into sharing, or into making disciples who would go on to make disciples, to reproducing himself spiritually. That was Paul's heart. And Paul's not an anomaly. It wasn't like, hey, if you achieve Paul level, then you should do these things. That what Christ has called us to as followers of him is to love God, love people, and make disciples. So there's not some spiritual summit that you reach and now you do that. No, as a follower of Jesus, this is what you do. This is what I do. This is what we do together. That helping to lead people to Christ happens in the context of relationships. Now, can you go knock on doors? You can. It doesn't really work in our culture, and, and really, I don't see people in, in the Bible like Paul went door to door, knocking and soul winning. No, I see that Paul, in the context of relationships, was investing in people's lives and sharing the gospel. Not just with words that he said, but how he lived his life, and people saw that message and heard that message, and it changed them. The relationships are key to, to really help people to come to Christ and help, help them to, to be transformed, to grow in it. We need each other in this process of transformation. And so Paul sacrificed his life for the sake of the gospel, and now he's facing the end of his life. He's really facing execution, and he writes this letter to Timothy, and he says a, a number of things, and he's really casting vision to Timothy over and over again. This is how you ought to be. This is what you should be doing uh, as a, a Christ follower, as a church planner, as someone who is a leader in the church. These are the things you should be doing. But this isn't just like, oh, as a leader you do these, but he's saying to us that this is how we ought to conduct ourselves. He wanted to ensure that, that Timothy finished well, and these are the last words that we really we know of, and he's casting vision for direction and for giving him wisdom and encouragement. Like, just think about this. If you, were, you knew that your time was short and you were going to write to somebody, you were going to communicate to somebody, maybe somebody in the faith, maybe somebody, what are the things that you would want to tell them? My guess is the things that you tell them are things that matter long-term, the things that matter eternally. You don't just say, hey, when you get to the store, if you could buy some milk and maybe some eggs, uh, if you can make sure that you turn the temperature down, like none of that stuff matters. Paul, at the end of his life, facing death, he's like, Timothy, these are the things that are important. And in these words, we can find ourselves what really is important. So if you're in 2 Timothy chapter 4, this is what Paul is saying. Verse 1, he says, I, I charge you. And I want you to hear, because it's not like saying, and because of the relationship that we have, I want you to see that underlying this is a relationship that he has, a mentoring relationship, a, like almost like a spiritual parent relationship where he can speak difficult things into his life. And Timothy knew, like, Paul loves me. Paul is concerned about me. Paul wants to invest in me. I'm going to listen to what he says. And Paul says, listen, this is a big deal. 
because of our relationship, I'm leveraging that relationship to, to really invest in you in this moment to tell you that what I'm about to say is huge and you need to do it. And so he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. And the, so this is kind of a hefty charge that Paul, in essence, is saying, by everything holy, by God, by Jesus, in the light of his coming judgment and of his coming kingdom, I want you to do this. Make sure you turn the lights off before you leave the house, because that's important. <laughs> is the garage door shut? Because we need to make sure that's... By all things holy, do this. And what does he say? Look at verse 2. Preach the word. <laughs> he has to say, Timothy, give your opinion, get in fights, uh, try to debate with people. Preach the word. Preach the truth. The word of God is powerful and it's effective and it's able to, to challenge and transform our hearts into changes that God's word is transformative. And Paul says to Timothy, preach the word. That God's word is, is powerful and it's effective and it's eternal. And that true hope, are not, hope is not found in the things that I say. But hope is found in the word of God. And he says, be ready in season and out of season. Be ready all the time. So preach the word and be ready to preach the word. Be ready to share the truth. Be ready to, to impart this wisdom so people can understand the gospel. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching that what Paul is saying to Timothy is kind of the full gamut of what you could do with the word, that you would proclaim it, that you would use it for correction, that you would rebuke people, that you would encourage people, and that you would do it with patience and careful instruction. That Paul doesn't say, hey, go bulldoze over somebody. Go, like, hit him in the head with your Bible. He's saying to preach the word, but in a way that people will receive it and understand it. The best that you can do it and be ready to do it all the time. And when things need to be said, you say them. When people need to be encouraged, you encourage them with the word. When, when people need to be called out, you check your heart. And you tell them what God says. And you walk with them. You don't just say, hey, by the way, you're a loser. You're like, no, 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 no. This is what God says. And we're on the same team, right? Yeah. You want to be more like Jesus. Yeah, and so do I. And, and this is what I see. And, and I just, I'm just trying to to share this with you, because I struggle with this as well. But together, can we grow in this way? Can we move in this direction? And somebody who is growing toward Christ's likeness will say, yeah, 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 I get it. <laughs> That's where I want to be. I get it. Yeah, what you're saying is true. We shouldn't be afraid to speak the truth in love, the truth of the word of God. And Tim, Paul is telling Timothy, preach the word. So why is this important? Look at verse 3. For a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Timothy, this is so important. Preach the word. Be ready to preach it. Preach the truth of the word so that people can hear it. Because there's a time that's coming that people are going to want to hear the truth 
but you keep preaching it anyway. You keep teaching it anyway. You keep sharing it anyway. Let God deal with, with the, the fallout. Let God deal with their hearts. Let God deal with what, what is happening on that end. But Timothy, you, us, we need to preach the word. We need to live the word. Let God's word be the thing that transforms their hearts. Look at verse 5. Because, Timothy, don't, don't be like them. Don't say things that people want to hear to appease them or please them. Preach the truth. And I'm sure that every church that looks at the Bible, that teaches the Bible, gets to this verse and they say the same thing, that this is, this is who we are. But this is who we ought to be. May we never be people that tell you what you want to hear so that you can feel good about yourself. I mean, I want you to feel good about yourself, but if it isn't not in, in alignment with what God says, then we need to hear that. I need to hear that. Because if our goal is to ultimately be like Jesus by God's power transforming our lives, then we need to hear hard things. And not only hear them, we need to respond and we need to live in such a way that is in alignment with the word of God. It says, as for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. (laughs) What Paul is saying when he says to be sober-minded... In contrast to these teachers, he's saying, you, Timothy, you need to have moral alertness. You need to have a level head. You need to to not get angry. You You need to be at this place where you can speak the truth and not want to punch somebody out, but to have a level head about you so that God can use you in those times that God is allowing, like put you in these situations and that you would just speak the truth. I don't think our job is to get into arguments with people to, to kind of convince them into the kingdom. I think we speak the truth and we live the truth, and we probably do it the other way around, that may we live the truth, and if we need to, that we would speak the truth and that people's lives would be changed. But Paul is saying, don't, don't lose your cool in the face of difficulties, Timothy. Because difficulties are coming, Timothy. I know you've already experienced them. But let me remind you that it's not going to change, that things may even get worse, and they will get worse. You keep your head about you. He says, endure suffering, that we need to avoid the bitterness that can come when hardship comes. These are the kind of things that we've been talking about in our, in our, rec- our uh, recalculating series, is how we need to guard ourselves against, you know, how do I trust God in the pain? How do I trust God when, when things don't work out like I expect them to work out? How do I trust God when I get off course and get back on course? How do I do that? What's that look like? It's the same kind of charge that Paul is giving to Timothy, that when, when difficulties come... Don't give up. Because difficulties are going to come. It's going to get hard. People are going to think, say things sideways. They're going to think things sideways about you. And you need to trust. You need to endure. Don't respond with anger. Don't respond with violence. This is, I didn't think this up, but may suffering lead you to prayer and not despair. May that be us. When we run into difficult times, when we run into things that we would never want to choose that God is going to use, but may we churn things to prayer and not despair. He also says, do the work of an evangelist, and the focus here is on work. Like We understand an evangelist is one who shares the gospel, and I want you to understand if you're a follower of Jesus on some level, you are an evangelist, you are a disciple maker. 
You need to be growing toward that because all of us begin as we're born again. We, we begin as infants. And if you are interested in real life discipleship, we still have some spots available. You can check that out in the Church Center app. Uh, but it's a way for you to understand what it means to grow in your relationship with the Lord. That it's not just, I, I follow Jesus and now I just kind of, it kind of happens that you understand that you are an infant that grows into a child, that grows into a young adult, that ultimately we want you to be spiritual parents who are investing in discipling and really discipling somebody else. And that's what Paul is talking about, that that's the work of, 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 the, of an evangelist, but it's the idea of, of working, that it takes effort, that it doesn't happen passively, because the emphasis that Paul has here is on the work, that it's going to take work. And you know this. You have friends in your life that you maybe have shared Christ with, that you uh, have been investing in, and in there's one moment where they're like, oh, they get it. They don't get it. Oh, they get it. Oh, they don't get it. But that you would keep doing the work of an evangelist, that you would reach the world with the gospel, that you would teach believers what it means to be a disciple who makes disciples. Because at this moment in this room, you are either someone who is not following Jesus or someone who is. And we want to help you. If you are not following Jesus, we want to point you to Jesus. And if you are following Jesus, you're not allowed to sit on the sidelines and just kind of like, well, I'll wait here till heaven. That what the call is, is that we would be growing toward Christ-likeness, that we would be surrendering our lives to Christ. And then Paul says to fulfill your ministry, and this is the message of Paul's letter broadly to Timothy through the, these letters. Uh, but I would say broadly what we would say is he's saying, and this, these are my words, Timothy, ultimately you need to love God, you need to love people, you need to make disciples. And the same thing that Paul would say to Timothy is the same thing that we are told through the word of God, that we need to love God, we need to love people, and we need to make disciples. That these are, are words that Paul is speaking to Timothy to kind of help him stay on the, the, the straight and narrow. Like, you can get sidetracked with these arguments that are happening, or somebody says something to you, and you're like, now I'm bummed out because I thought I was doing everything right, and they don't like what I'm doing, and I, what they think really matters more than God, what God says matters. And so now I'm off the track here, and Paul says, don't forget about all of these things. Stay focused on the goal ahead that you would love God and love people and make disciples. Do what God has called you to do. Do the work that God has called you to do. If you want to finish well, there's some high-level truths that we can glean here, and you've heard them already, but you'll hear them again. The first thing is, and this is in your study guide, you need to travel the right road. What is implied in this passage is, is understanding of the gospel, and the gospel is that Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus said this himself. He says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We don't make that up. We don't get to say, and you say, well, wait, 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 so if I don't believe in Jesus, and I'll say, yes, this is what Jesus has said. We don't make the rules. We don't make up these, these things. That, that what Jesus has said, that the way to the Father, the way to forgiveness, the way to freedom, the way to be born again is through him. Wait, 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 what, what about my... Yeah, the same for them. What about my friend who, like, he's a really good person. <laughs> you must be born again. Well, wait, wait, but this one person that went to church all the time and they gave it, you must be born again. That we don't get to set up the parameters and say, well, I know that Jesus said this, 
But I want to believe this. We don't have that option. The message of hope in the gospel is that Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, came to earth, lived a perfect life, was sacrificed for us on a cross, died, was buried, rose again on the third day, that we might have hope, that we might find forgiveness in his sacrifice. That's the hope that we have. That's the hope of the world. That is the gospel that if I put my faith in Christ, in the finished work of Christ, that my sin can be forgiven that I trust him as savior. We talk about these words all the time, but this is hopefully bringing understanding that, that you and I need to trust Jesus as savior, that what you do, the best that you can do, the best person that you can be, the best things that you can say, the best service that you can do, the Bible tells us is like filthy rags. It's gross, it's disgusting, it's appalling because we're sinners. But God, being rich in mercy, in Christ provided the way that we might be forgiven. And we need to understand that to get on the right road means that I trust Jesus as Savior. And you can know that up here, but until it comes down to here, it's like the, that's the hardest part sometimes of, uh, of coming to Christ, of surrendering your life to Christ is like that 16 inches of like getting from your head to your heart. Like, no, 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 I know, I know, I know. But until you, you surrender your life to Christ and you receive that gift of what Christ has done, your sin, you're still lost in your sin. And we often talk about it as being twofold in the sense of that I trust Jesus as Savior, but, but my, my life should bear that out, that I, I trust him, I obey him, I follow him as Lord. That both of those things, as a follower of Jesus, should be true in your life. Not perfectly, because I mess up and, and you mess up. But that my heart is, God, I want to surrender every day to, to walk by what you say, to, to be transformed by your word, to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. That I would trust Jesus as Savior and I would follow him and I would obey him as Lord. And, and those two things should be true in our lives as followers of Jesus. And that Jesus is the way, and if we're going to finish well, and by finishing well we mean spiritually, by finishing well we mean in a relationship with Christ that I would be with God forever in eternity, that means that I need to be on the right road, and on the right road is Jesus. And Paul is telling that to Timothy, and he's telling that to us. The second thing is that I need to follow the right map, that God has clearly given us hope in his word, that the gospel is clear. What I just told you is in the word of God, that the hope that we have in this life and the life to come is, is found in Christ and our faith in what he has done. And any hope that we have to live our lives in a reflection of, of who he is comes from the word of God. And sometimes we get it right and sometimes we don't get it right, but God instructs us and how to live by his power. That all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God, the woman of God, the people of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. That if you don't know how to live your life for Christ, you need to open up this book and spend time with God in his word. It sounds much easier than it is. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm gonna do that, but I got these other things I gotta do. 
If I don't know what God's word says, like sometimes I wonder how people follow Jesus without knowing what it means to follow Jesus. And I get it, that God can change your heart. You have no clue, but you're like, no, 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 I know, I, God has made it clear, I know that I need Christ. I don't know what that means. I've, like, if you've ever met a spiritual infant, and some of you, I mean, you've all been there, and I've been there, but I, even today, people that come to Christ are like, I love Jesus, and I get it, but I don't know what I'm doing. It's the same thing. That's why we call them spiritual infants, is because they, it's like if you took an infant and you set them on the floor, like, they don't know to feed themselves. They don't know to change themselves. They don't know to any of those things. And it's incumbent upon us as followers of Christ to invest in people like infants to help them to become children, to help them become spiritual parents. And a lot of that is new news to many of us because what we, the, the discipleship plan that many of you have been on in church, no matter what church you came from, is a discipleship plan is pray this prayer so you don't go to hell, come to church, be a good person, do the best that you can, and we'll see you in heaven. Go to a Bible study. Grow in your knowledge. I'm telling you that information is good. Knowledge is good. But information needs to lead to a application if you're going to be leading to transformation. If you just have information, you're going to be in trouble. That what we read in the Word of God, what we understand the Word of God to say, should translate into our hands and our feet and our minds and in who we are. The song used to sing, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path, that, that God's word should guide us, should lead us down the path that God is leading us. That God's word leads and, and convicts us and guides us and really empowered, enlightened by the Holy Spirit that, that God would use that. And Paul is telling Timothy, follow the right map because there are, there are definitely false teachers that are gonna say things that you're gonna like, wait a minute, that's not right. There are going to be people that are going to gather people around them and say, tell us what we want to hear. Timothy, Timothy don't, don't be like them. You need to preach the truth of the Word of God. You need to live the truth of the Word of God. Don't let the struggles that you have get you off the right road. Stay on the right road. Do the work of ministry. Don't be discouraged by this because God is going to use you in big ways if you continue to walk and surrender to Him. For you, I would tell you to take God's Word seriously. I mean, how often do we do we have good intentions with, with your, your Bible or your Bible app? You're like, I'm going to read 100 chapters a day. <laughs> that lasts about three seconds. As opposed to approaching the Word of God and saying, God, I just, just want you to speak to my heart today. and I'm going to read, it, it may be a verse, it may be a chapter, it may be 15 chapters, whatever it is, but God, that, that I would hear from you through your Word today. that your time with the Lord wouldn't be about uh, quantity, it would be about quality, that you might spend one, one verse in the Bible that God just like opened your eyes to the truth of something, you're like, God, I just need to talk to you about this. But that you would take it seriously, that you would not merely listen to the word, but you would do what it says. That's one of the biggest disconnects that we all have at times, is that, well, I know what God says, but I don't like that. I know what God says, but some of you might even say, I don't really know what God says. We have so much access to what God says, and yet we take it, take it for granted, don't we? You could pull out your phone right now, and you probably have 20 versions of the Bible if you have a Bible app. You had no idea you had. 
You have uh, access to commentaries and other things to give you insight into the word of God that you probably know or don't know that you have, and you're like, ah, don't make any excuses. Commit to be in the word and allow the word to get into you. Last thing with this is that you need to head in the right direction. So you need to be on the right road, following the right map, headed in the right direction. You can see how if you miss one of those, you go sideways. You could be on the right road, heading in the right direction, but if you don't have a map, you're not sure if you're going to get there or not. Or you could be on the right road with the right map, but you could also be going the wrong way. <laughs> like, I, I know that I'm supposed to go that way, but I really like that way. <laughs> that we need all three of these things in our lives to be able to finish well, to do what God has called us to do. That we need to be, as followers of Jesus, headed towards surrender, headed toward Christ-likeness. God, whatever you want to do in my life, God, however you want to use these circumstances, however you want to do whatever you want to do, that that's a difficult place to end up. Right? It's hard for us to, to walk and surrender, but that was what God has called us to do. And what, what Paul is telling Timothy, he says, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, that keep doing what God has called you to do, and you will be right where God wants you to be. Did you get that? They keep doing what God has called you to do, and you will be where God wants you to be. You may not be where you thought you would be or where you started out heading toward, but as you take a step and God directs your path, you're like, I was going that way because I thought that's where God wanted me to go, but as I took steps, I realized, like, well, it's a little bit over here, and you're still right where God wants you to be even though you're ending up in a place you never expected. Even if things are difficult, even if people are pushing back, even if God seems silent, even if there's pain, even if plans change, that you would trust him. That you would continue to head in the direction that God has called you to, even if it changes. That you would trust him on the process. These are things that we've been talking about through our recalculating series. If you've been with us, they're also online too, but uh, just trusting the promises of God, trusting a God who is in control, trusting God in the pain, trusting God when plans change. Trusting God to not get off course, trusting God to get back on course, all these things are just trusting God in all these occasions in our lives. That in essence, that is what Paul is telling Timothy to keep the focus, keep a level head, stay the course, and keep trusting. Ultimately, I'm going to give you some values today that if we're going to, if we need to value what's most important, and these will be nothing new to you. And you're going to be able to fill in the blanks. You may be way ahead of me if you're a blank filler inner. But I want to tell you that as followers of Jesus, and these are things that should overarch us, that we need to be on the right road, following the right map, headed the right direction. But overarching all of these things, uh, we need to value certain things. And the first thing we need to value, as Paul did, is that we need to value relationships. That relationships are key. In the church, in our lives, it's not about the thing that we're doing. That we should not, better not, as a church, put our focus on doing a program while stepping on people. But we got the thing done. Yeah, but you missed the point. Well, we did this thing. Yeah, but you reached no one. You had no impact with, because you didn't care about relationships. You cared about the thing. And, and what God says to you and what God says to me, I care about the people. I don't care about the thing. And so in the process of being on the right road and, and finishing well and following the right map, that you should value, I should value, we better value relationships. At Northampton, that's what we try to do, and we do it imperfectly. But the cool thing is, is that God gives us opportunities to mess up with each other so that we can also practice Matthew 18 
and reconcile with each other and ask for forgiveness from each other and humble ourselves before each other. That, that what I don't think Paul is saying, nor is God telling us through his word, that once you get it, you will live a perfect life because you and I will never live perfectly. But God gives us opportunities to walk out the truths of his word, to practice these things. Because there are things that you have learned because of your mistakes that you would not have learned any other way. You might have known it up here, like, of course, that's what, but in that moment, you're like, oh, wow, I really messed up. I know that I'm supposed to, to ask for forgiveness, so now I gotta actually do it. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. That we need to value relationships. You need to value, the first the relationship you need to value is a vertical relationship. You need to value relationship with God. As we said already many times, that really that is about the gospel. It's about surrendering your life to Christ, but it's about worship. It's about surrender. It's about all of those things. That it's not just about giving lip service like, of course I love God, but that your life would reflect the love for the Lord. We've said this before, and I'll hit this button again, that loving God means all that I am all the time. Loving God doesn't happen at 10 o'clock, 10, 11 o'clock, that's what time it is, 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning where we sing songs, look, I love God. But it happens as I surrender my life to him, as I surrender my, my time for other people, as I, as I do the things that God called, as I, as I surrender my time even here to get into the word and to pray, as I do those things, that these are expressions of my love for God. Worship, singing is an expression of that, but it's not the only expression of love to God. How I respond and how I treat people and how I live life is really evidence of my love for God. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship, that we would be people that lay our lives down on the altar. That we would be living sacrifices, that we would be living dead things, that we'd be surrendered to what God calls us to do and to be. All that I am, all the time, that I would cling to him, that I would abide in him, that I would be at this place, God-empowered, where I say, not my will, but yours be done. That I would love God. Guess what the second one is? You guys are good. I heard you all think it. You didn't say it, but I heard you think it. That we would love people. Uh, this is one of the things we talked about, too. This is a way to remember it, that I would do for one what I wish I could do for everyone. That when I'm standing in front of somebody or somebody's standing in front of me, that I would love that person right there. doesn't mean I love every single person at the same time, but in that moment where I can show love or care or concern, if I can share the gospel, if I can be to them the hands and feet of Jesus, that I would do that in that moment for that person. It means I value relationships of people that I like, of people who like me, of people who don't like me, of people who I have a hard time liking, that I would value those relationships, that I would love people. Because this is what John says in 1 John 4, he says, we love, why? Because God first loved us. That if I want to know what love is, I have to have a relationship with God. Now, some of you say, well, I don't have a relationship with God, but I know what love is. I'm telling you that apart from Christ, apart from understanding the love of God in your life, you don't know what love is. And we can argue about that, and I can buy you coffee, and you can still argue, and that's fine. But I'm telling you, to truly understand the sacrifice that was made, the love that God has for you, until you experience that, you don't know that we love people, we love God, we love, period, because God first loved us. This is not cooperating. There it is. 
If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Why? For he who, do, who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who is not seen. That John is very clear. You may say that you love God all day, and people see your, your social media, and people see how you treat people at work, and people see your life in your neighborhood. And they hear you say, I love God, and they also hear, hear you say, I hate you, and they say, that's a problem. John says, if you say that you love God and yet you hate your brother, you're a liar. I'm a liar. If this is what characterizes our lives, it doesn't mean that you're not going to mess up. I mess up. I say things wrong, or I, I have a bad attitude. I wake up on the wrong side of the bed. But if our lives are characterized by hatred toward other people, that's a problem. There's a disconnect. If you say that you love God, you, you need to love your brother. And this commandment that we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Went through too many. That we only love because he loved us. The true test of my love for God is really how I treat you and how you treat me. And how you treat me and I treat you when we mess up. Because you could say, oh, see, you treated me like garbage, so you don't love God. And they're like, no, I, I messed up. And let me, let me, let me apologize to you. Let me, let's make things right. Please forgive me. I was wrong. Please forgive me. You know all that. Last thing is we need about value eternity, that we need to love God. It's about valuing relationships, love God, love people. We need to value eternity. The decisions that we make here echo into eternity. We need to choose to make decisions and invest in things that will last for all eternity, like people. That's why relationships are so important. Because you and I, according to the word of God, will exist somewhere for all eternity. And the real reality is either we will exist, we will be with God, or we'll be separated from God. We need to make investments in things that matter. I mean, the word of God is eternal. It will last for all eternity. People are eternal. They will, last, they will exist somewhere for all eternity. We need to invest wisely and invest appropriately. How do we do that? Again, you should have been ahead of me. We need to make disciples. Because we want to lead people to Christ. And we want to lead people to Christ-likeness. That should be our hearts. That if, if Jesus is the right road, and he is, right? And we as Christ followers need to be on the right road with the right map heading the right direction, right? Right? Then we need to be serious about the Great Commission. It hit me this week that we need to be serious about the Great Commission because someone in your life, if you're a follower of Jesus... If you've surrendered your life to Christ, if, if you understand the gospel, if you have asked Jesus to be your savior, someone in your life was serious about the Great Commission. Someone in your life made the conscious decision to say, I need to talk to that person. I need to share the truth of the gospel with that person. And God used them, at least part of your story, to change your heart and to change your life because of them, because they were serious about the Great Commission. And we need to be serious about the Great Commission. There's so much we need to be done. Let me read the last words of Paul here. Verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. 
Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on the day, on that day, and not only to me, but also who have loved his appearing. That Paul's journey, his spiritual journey, was a miracle from the Lord. That he began persecuting members of the way, and he became the, the biggest, the largest voice for people who are following Jesus, that he planted churches, that he sacrificed his life, that he sacrificed everything for the cause of Christ. In Philippians, he says, to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That either way, I'm going to find joy in all of this because I trust whatever God is doing in this place, but knowing that if, if what I do causes me to die, I'll be better off. <laughs> Someone once said this. I don't think they were, they were a Christ follower but I think about this from a spiritual perspective. They said, life is not a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, wow, what a ride. And I think about that spiritually speaking, that Paul is telling Timothy, that Paul is telling us that we shouldn't go to church and, and keep our Bibles nice and clean, and we should sit quietly and just take in a bunch of information, and we'll just wait until we die. Because that's not how Paul lived his life. That every day, Paul sacrificed himself on the altar of ministry, on the altar of what God has called him to do, that he laid his life down, and he invested in people because people are important. And he said, preach the word. He said, do these things that God has called you to do. Be faithful to the gospel, and God will change people's hearts, and God will change people's lives, and you keep pouring yourself out. That we, may we, as followers of Jesus, enter into eternity worn out. And I don't, I'm not speaking against taking rest and taking a Sabbath and all those things. Understand all that. But in that moment that you would see that your job is bigger than your vocation. That your job is not to just say, hey, let's just, let's just be a good person and hope people. That you would be sold out to the gospel. And be willing to speak the gospel, to preach the gospel, to live the gospel, that people might come to Christ. That you would see discipleship as more than just, no, no, I got my friend to pray the prayer. The Great Commission is that I, I make disciples. And that you'd be willing to do the things that God has called you to do in the place that God has you. Because I want you to know that you matter. The cause of Christ matters. The word of God matters. The gospel matters. And we're called to walk in these things for his glory. We need to do it together.